You know there's a way for nurses to start a business, but there's so many moving pieces. Cut through the crap. It's time to go right to the source and get real about what's working in business and marketing for nurses with your host, the founder of Nursepreneurs, Katie Harris. episode is sponsored by Jane, an all-in-one practice management software with helpful features to power your practice. One of Jane's most popular features is the online intake forms. They're designed to be convenient, allowing patients or clients to complete forms on their schedule rather than during your treatment time. Jane's online intake forms help you collect all the information you need before your appointment begins. You can choose to send your intake forms manually or enable them to send automatically at the time of booking for a more hands-off approach. There's even a friendly reminder sent 24 hours before a patient's appointment if they forget to complete it. And when the treatment is done, you won't have to worry about chasing payments. Jane's PCI compliant payment solution, Jane Payments, allows you to securely collect credit card details through your intake form. To see how the online intake forms can help you spend more time helping your patients, head to jane.app forward slash guide to book a personalized demo. Don't forget, you can use the code NURSECEO at the time of sign up for a one month grace period applied to your new account. Hi, it's Katie Harris, and this is an episode of the Nursepreneurs Podcast. Today, we have Bridget Gannon on with us from Lavender. Bridget, thanks so much for being here with us today. No worries. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so I'm really excited to dive into Lavender. But first, I want to hear a little bit about you and your background as a nurse. Where, where, How did you get started in nursing? And, and uh, we'll take it from there. Yeah, so I had sort of an, like an atypical journey um, to nursing. I, I studied um, dance and English, actually, at Wesleyan University. I got a bachelor's there, um, and I graduated in 2008, um, which was, as you probably remember, the economic collapse. So there were like no jobs for dance and English majors. I don't think there's a lot of jobs for dance and English majors to begin with, but when there's a financial crisis, there are even less jobs. Um, and I tried, you know, dancing, uh, for a modern dance company for a very short period of time. And it's a highly competitive world. And, um, you know, I just kind of had to come to terms with the fact that I was not probably going to make it, um, and be able to make a living as a dancer as much as I loved that world and loved performing. Um, and my parents kind of sat me down and said, like, you know, we're not rich, like your friends. And you, this is literally a conversation they had with me. You need to like find a job and you need to find a profession and you need to find a way to support yourself. And, um, you know, as a dancer, we have always been taught to take a lot of um, control and responsibility about our health. Like all of my dance professors, you know, knew a lot about the human body, knew a lot about sickness and illness and health. And they were always like kind of passing that knowledge on to us. And I really loved how nursing was so holistic that they really took into account the full, the full person, right? Like what they're eating, you know, their genetics, um, you know, the environment there's, they are in. So I really was drawn to nursing in that way. And I also think my family has always put a big em emphasis on service. And I loved that you could be of service to people and also make an income. So yeah, that's how I found nursing. 
Yeah, I think nursing is it's a great income actually, and I think it's a great job. And uh, I, I, that sounded like a, a perfect marriage. There, actually, my niece is about to go off to college, and she has no idea what she wants to do. And I'm like, just send her to nursing school. Yeah. Like she can figure out what she wants to do with her life later. <laughs> you know, yeah. She's, yeah. But at least she'll make money. You know, I had a really good friend who um, would work for like all summer and then she'd spend nine months in Italy studying sculpture. Yeah. So um, whatever you want to do. <laughs> yeah, totally. And you know, you meet, I mean, you meet nurses like that, right. That have that, you know, do nursing and they're grateful to have it and it's their role, but they also have these incredible outside interests that they're able to develop. Um, yeah. Nursing is wonderful. Okay. So uh, what did you first, so you went to nursing school. Where'd you go to nursing school? I went to NYU. Well, first I had no, um, I did not have one of the prerequisites. So it took me a year and a half to do all my prereq science courses. Um, and I did that uh, at a community college. And that was really interesting because I had been a liberal arts student. So I had never taken like a math or science class. And it turned out that I was pretty good at it. And I was, you know, getting A's and I was sort of shocked. Um, and then I went to an accelerated program at NYU. So it was, you know, quick and dirty, a big program, super fast. Um, but I, I always knew I wanted to be an NP. Um, so I, you know, I was kind of doing that initial bachelor's to get me closer to, to being an NP. Yeah. Okay. And when did you graduate? I graduated from NYU in 2011. Okay. And then you went to the accelerated and that's what a year, the accelerated program. Yeah. I worked as a nurse, um, an RN in women's health, um, for less than a year. And I, I, I knew that I couldn't, I didn't have it in me to work nights. So I never worked bedside in a hospital, which I know is quite unusual and sort of controversial whether or not that's the right decision, but it was the right decision for me. Um, and then after I worked in women's health, I, I went to UPenn for a traditional master's to get my second B. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so why psych? Why psych? Yeah. Um, I, um, you know, I think like a lot of people that end up interested in psych, you know, it's one of two things that either they themselves have had struggles with mental health and they, um, know how important it is to get your mental health in check in order to be like a functioning human being, or they have family members in their life that have struggled with mental health issues. Um, and for me, it was a little bit of both. I think also I grew up in uh, downtown New York City, which is like kind of a wild place. And you see a lot of um, homeless people walking around the street with chronic mental illness. And it always, you know, it always made me really sad that these are like the most, these people are really suffering and they're kind of in a living nightmare in terms of the psychosis that they're experiencing. And they're like the most vulnerable people in our communities and we um, are really not taking care of them. Yeah. So I think that was a big motivator for me also to go into psych. Okay. Um, all right. So you, you did psych and then you graduated. Um, what, what is this about 2013 now or? Yeah, yeah. I think I graduated in 2013 from Penn. Okay. Uh, and you went, did you go back to New York city or? I did. I went back to New York city right away. Um, and I worked at, um, the Tillery street women's shelter in Brooklyn, New York, which is the largest, um, shelter for homeless, homeless women with chronic mental illness and substance abuse. And I was there for six years. Um, and I loved it. Yeah. 
Um, well, wow, that's that's really impressive. That I mean, that's going to be hard too. It's going to be a hard yeah. job. Yeah, yeah. My, you know, my boss told me like years later, who ended up being my mentor. She was actually a social worker, Janine Costley, who's a remarkable person and leader. She was like, I wasn't sure when I met you if you were going to last, and <laughs> and I was like, Oh, really? I like thought I could totally last, but yeah, <laughs> Hillary is. Homeless shelters in New York are intense places for sure. Yeah. 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 So you made up for your lack of med surge experience by doing that. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it is like, it is an incredibly low resource. Um, It's like working in a third world country, working in New York City shelters. Yeah. Yeah. I can't even imagine. Yeah. Um, Okay. So, how did bridge me from like working in a homeless shelter to starting a business and you've owned multiple businesses. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. I own two businesses. Um, so, so at Hillary, I was able to become an associate director of behavioral health. And I think that was really helpful, um, in terms of setting me up for success in, in owning a business because I had, you know, I was formerly an administrator and leader, and I understood healthcare operations and how to budget and how to hire. Um, So that was really useful training for me. Um, While I was working at Tillery, I always did um, nursing home consults on the side. And I worked for a wonderful psychiatrist named Dr. Trackenberg, who also mentored me. Um, And, you know, he would bill Medicare directly. I was a contractor for him, a fee-for-service contractor, and he would take a cut of what I billed. Um, And, you know, I always did that on the side. And then at some point, I think about five years into doing that with him, I decided that, you know, I decided that I wanted to try doing this on my own and getting a contract with Medicare, billing Medicare directly trying to expand the nursing homes that I um, serviced. And I basically asked him for his blessing and he was really generous and said, go for it. Um, And that was my first kind of entry into the business world. Was it uh, difficult to get set up in your own practice as an NP in New York? It was, I remember, um, I think her name, is it Carol? There's kind of that, that woman who, who wrote a book about how to set up a practice. She's a nurse. Uh, she's a lawyer, isn't she? She's a lawyer also. Do you know I what? I can't remember her name, but yeah, yeah. she, yeah. So she, about. yeah. So at that point, cause this was like, you know, quite a while ago, there wasn't people, you, you didn't exist yet. You know, <laughs> like there was not, there were not like Facebook groups around nurse entrepreneurship um, yet. Um, it was, those resources didn't exist. So I, I read her book um, and I think she had a few PDF downloads in terms of how to open up a practice. Um, and I also, you know, utilize YouTube, not necessarily for healthcare, but just in general, how to open up a business in New York. And I learned that my first step was that I had to create a professional corporation in New York state, because in New York, if you are providing healthcare services, you cannot um, provide healthcare services under a regular corporation. So that was my first step. Yeah. Okay. And then, then, I mean, you still need a, like a supervisor collaborating position, right? At that point, I didn't need a collaborating physician. Oh, you did not? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's independent. Yeah. Yeah. Has New York been independent for that long? It has been. Yeah. 
Yeah, it has been. It's, if you had over 30, 30, 3,500 hours, you didn't need a collaborator. Oh, I'm jealous. Yeah. Do, where are you located? Where are you practicing? In, I'm in Pennsylvania. Not only do I need one collaborator, oh, yeah. but I need a backup collaborator, yeah. which is ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. You, Pennsylvania in particular is such a strict state. It's um, ridiculous. Yeah. So you need two. So you pay two. Right. And the, the ironic thing is, is that I never have to talk to them except by request. And I'm like, this is like a huge tax on my business, <laughs> you know, having two collaborators. I know. We we spend a lot of money at Lavender on collaborators, and it really is. It's it. I think it's a barrier to NPs um, opening their own practices for sure. It's a huge barrier. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. No, I I call it an, uh, an extortion tax, but you know, it's probably <laughs> not the politically correct thing to say. <laughs> um, okay, so you uh, you took on the billing, the nursing homes independently, and that was a big move. Um, you know, where did the leap to Lavender come in? Well, I outsourced the billing um, and that was, um, I've had very bad luck with multiple billers. I probably have gone through like 12 billers over the, the course of like this nurse entrepreneurial journey. Um, so, and it's hard when you first start billing health insurance. Why are they so bad? <laughs> I, I don't know. It It's just... It's, it feels to me like it's an industry where there's a lot of gatekeeping. And I think that billing companies make it seem a little more complicated that, than it is, but they don't really want you to know because if they let you know, know their service wouldn't exist. Um, and you sort of know what you don't know when you first start billing payers because you know it takes time to get paid. You don't know why you haven't been paid in 90 days. It's just like, yeah, it was really then you get those like eobs and you know reason for denials and appeals and stuff yeah Yeah. it's tough but billers take a percentage typically right five percent is is typically what you you don't want to pay more than that and you probably won't pay if anybody charges you less than that it's probably not going to be a great service okay yeah yes five percent all right so you went through like 12 different billers um and what what were you looking for that you weren't getting uh, responsiveness, like, like <laughs> somebody to show up, yeah, like basic, a basic service. Yeah. 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 Well, so the bar is pretty low. So if anybody out there wants to start a billing company, there's a, a huge opportunity. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. That's a great idea, actually. Like a nurse owned billing and credentialing company. That's if somebody could figure that out and provide a high service, then yeah, I think there's a lot of potential there. Well, it's like uh, plumbers, right? Like if you, the guy just shows up, he's like yeah, five stars. <laughs> yeah, know, I don't yeah. care what he does. He just has to show up. Exactly. Exactly. All right. So you, did you figure out the billing piece or you took that on yourself? I, no, I finally, I've never taken the billing piece on myself in any business I've owned. I've always paid a biller. Um, and yes, I eventually worked with a biller who's great. Yeah. Who's, who I still work with. Who's fantastic. Yeah. And you're not willing to give out that name. <laughs> I, no, I, they're Supreme um, Medical Management and they're located in Brooklyn, but they've changed their model where they only take on clients that bill a certain amount of revenue a month. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, yeah, so, but yeah. And I've asked them for recommendations and they don't have recommendations just to show you. Oh, how. like everybody else sucks. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. 
Um, okay, so you figured out the billing piece and, you know, so that company, do you still have that company today? Yeah, Ivy Psychiatry, it's managed by a management service organization called MetaLeap. So they, I've kind of passed it on to them. I pay them as an MSO a fee, which is a very common arrangement with healthcare practices. They often pay MSOs a percentage of their collections and um, they essentially run the practice for me now. Oh, how did you know that existed? I met a dietitian at the nursing home who said, my friends are starting this company called MetaLite, which is an MSO, and they want to bring specialty services to nursing homes, and they don't have psych, and you guys should meet. And we met, and um, we've both grown like tremendously together in terms of um, the services that we're providing in nursing homes. Um, yeah, and I mean that, and that a lot of things like that have happened in my life through relationships and connections. And I think that's why it's really good to tell people constantly what you're doing because you never know or what you need or what your pain points are because you literally never know who can hook you up with a solution, right? Like maybe you are looking for an office space for your new injectable practice. And like someone's like, hey, my brother just, you know, bought this building and he has a room that he can rent. I mean, you just like never know. Right. Right. But, but did you know that you needed something like mentally? No, I had no idea what, what an MSO was or how they could help me. But, um, you know, once I met with them and I, you, I thought, you know, Google is so great. I could search what MSO was and I realized so they're that, kind of like, they took over the operations of the business. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Wow. Okay. And then, so what did that leave you with to do? Um, all the provider hiring, quality control, um, you know, speaking to buildings that are unhappy with the services clinically, all the clinical stuff. Yeah. Okay. And was that still a full-time job What you know, that you were doing or did you have all this additional free time that? It was a full-time job. And when I first, um, you know, when I, I feel like there's been multiple steps in this journey. The first journey was just billing on my own. That was a big deal. Um, and then the second step was getting more than one nursing home as a client. So I used to basically never say no to any nursing home that needed psychiatry services. Like at some point I was flying to Buffalo, New York, providing services. I was, I was going to Kingston, New York, like once a week and staying at a hotel there. Um, I just did whatever I could to, I never said no to any business for like two years. Um, and I would definitely suggest that hustle. Um, and then at some point, once I had enough nursing home buildings, I, I took the first, the next step of hiring my first nurse practitioner under me. Um, and eventually I hired enough nurse practitioners where I could replace my income and more, and I could step away from clinical care. Um, okay. Yeah. And okay. And and what did you do from there? So from there, I, I you know I ran the business myself, but then I realized I wanted to take one more step back, and I hired an associate director um, at Ivy Psychiatry. So I hired Natalie Avion, who's a complete rock star, and she did a lot of the um, management of the people of the nurses that I used to do, and she does that now. Okay. Um, so what, where, do, where does Lavender come into all this? So in, in, um, in May 2020, 
Preetman, you know, Preetman and I got our DMPs at Yale together. Um, so we had met at Yale and, you know, COVID hit. Um, and both, you know, Prima owns an injectables practice um, or owned an injectables practice called Bombay Beauty Lounge. I owned Ivy Psychiatry and both of our um, businesses uh, were closed. So my nurses were not allowed in the nursing home and she was obviously not allowed to see patients. Um, and we needed a way to make money. So we, we, we thought of a few different ideas, but we decided that we would try a telepsychiatry company um, primarily because I don't know if you had the same experience as a nurse, but when COVID hit, I was constantly getting asked for mental health referrals um, from my friends and family. People were really struggling with their mental health, and I did not know where to refer them. Um, so we figured if people are asking us for the service, why don't we provide it? Okay, so in 2020, when when the pandemic hit, you guys, and, and Preetma, just for clarification, is your partner uh, in Lavender. Yes. Okay. And so, um, so you decided to do this. What was kind of like the first step that you took towards making it real? I think coming up with a name and, <laughs> you know, and um, a logo, I feel like that's always like the first step in any business. So, you know, I, we have screenshots of the conversation we had about Lavender. Pritma came up with the name, you know, we were kind of, we wanted a name that didn't make you feel depressed because a lot of, you know, a lot of mental health businesses, like the names make you feel depressed. And if you're already depressed, why should a business name make you feel more depressed? Um, and lavender was also the color of the year. I don't know if you remember that. So there's a lot of lavender. Everything was lavender, um, Katie, like all around us. So I think it was kind of in our subconscious. Um, yeah. So we thought it was a beautiful color, soothing, you know, lavender, the plant is calming. And we decided to call it lavender. And the smell, oh my gosh, yeah, lavender. If everything could be lavender, I'd be so happy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we get a lot of positive feedback about the name lavender. Yeah, so it was a good choice. Okay, so uh, you choose the name, um, you've decided that you want to do the, tele what were, were there some other iterations of what you were thinking of? At some point, Preetma and I had an idea of um, before Lavender, like a year before we launched Lavender, we thought we would maybe, you know, because we're, we were both business, I mean, you know how this is. When you own one business, you you are always bouncing ideas for other businesses. I find that entrepreneurs like really like starting things, you know, and I'm very much like that. I, you know, my follow through is sometimes lacking, but I really could in the start of things. Yeah. I have the worst follow through. It's terrible. Yeah. Like I yeah. took a Colby test and my, my follow through yeah. is like, <laughs> <laughs> isn't that fun? But I, don't you find that with entrepreneurs that sort of yeah, we have like entrepreneurial ADD. I'm like, yeah. let's do this, let's do yeah. this, let's do this. And I'm like, yeah. all right. Well, every time I get on a podcast with somebody, I'm like, oh, I want to start that business. And yeah. Like, oh my God, stop. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, so we, you know, like because of that entrepreneurial ADD, we were always bouncing around business ideas. And we thought at some point of doing like a franchise injectables practice or mental health practice before nurses. So creating some sort of franchise that a nurse could purchase from us to start a business yeah yeah the franchise route is so expensive and so yes. painful <laughs> yes yeah, so when we looked into it we um we for those reasons we're like this is this is going to involve a lot of investment from us and there's probably not going to be a return on investment for a long time so we decided not to do that we also weren't sure at the time and 
I, you know, better than me, like if there were, there would be enough nurses that would be willing to purchase the franchise. Um, it's yeah. hard. We, we've tried to, you know, get nurses on franchises, not our franchises, but other, and it is, it's like a 200 K investment, right. Uh, you know, to start to buy a franchise. And then that doesn't even include all the other, you know, you're just hosing money out. So unless you're like going to put your house on the line, it's just, it's really hard to start something like that. Um, but yeah, so, um, okay. So you came up with the idea, you got the name, the logo, the colors, um, and what were your next, like three or four steps that you guys took? Well, we redeployed, um, my psych MPs from IV psychiatry to lavender, um, because they weren't able to go to the nursing homes. Um, we set up our EMR, which was Jane app and Primo is familiar with Jane because it's the EMR she used for injectables practice. So we were able to like set that up pretty quickly. We love Jane. Okay. Up. <laughs> yeah, Jane, is, Jane is great. It's so user-friendly and customizable. It's, it's awesome. Um, and then, you know, I, we spent a lot of that first year meeting with people, anybody who would meet with us, patients, you know, other practices, other healthcare business owners, healthcare leaders, anybody who would meet with us. And we spent a lot of time listening. Um, I always like to choose a word of the year. And I was thinking that if, our, if I had to choose a word of the year for lavender for our first year, 2020, it would probably be spaghetti. Um, Preet always says, you know, we threw spaghetti at the wall to see if it would stick. And that was, you know, I would say like our first year was spaghetti and listening. That's what we did. There's a lot of listening evolving and a lot of trying things out and seeing if they worked. So, I mean, but you said you redeployed the nurses from IV, I'm sorry, IV psychiatry, psychiatry yeah. uh, to Lavender. But I mean, did Lavender have any patients at that point? Like, where did you find these people? We had one patient. Um and, yeah. and like 20 nurse practitioners are all fighting over it. <laughs> but they, you know, they weren't working anyway, so that wasn't a huge problem. And and they, you know, they had worked with me for years and they are so awesome and they were willing to kind of like take this leap of faith with me. Um, you know, we discovered referral websites like Psychology Today and ZocDoc. And once we once we got our NPs on those, we finally were getting appointments. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um Okay. And so how did the, is it, and you bill for these services as well, is that correct? Or is this yeah. cash pay? No, it's 90% insurance and 10% cash, cash pay. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay. And so, um, all right. So you started bringing patients in and when did the volume really start taking off? I would say like, you know, I wouldn't say the volume took off, but I feel like within six months, it felt like we had something here. And we were also, most importantly, um, we were going up every month. So for Prima and I, that was a really good sign, even though we weren't huge at that point or even medium or, or small, <laughs> you know, we were still very early. We, because we were going up every month and seeing more and more patients every month we knew that something was right and it was worth our time and investment okay yeah. did you guys advertise or do social media posts and all that kind of crap 
We did some Facebook ads, um, but not a ton. I would say that most of our marketing budget went into ZocDoc and Psychology Today. Um, and so that's you have to pay to be on those platforms? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So for Psychology Today, it's a monthly fee that you pay, regardless of how many referrals you get. And in ZocDoc, you pay based on referrals. Oh, I was going to say, that's a that's a nice model. Just pay a flat fee and yeah. get as many versus like it, you know some places would take a, like thumbtack for instance charges you every time a lead you know you get a lead that which is painful yeah yeah and i think i think you know we have a marketing department now who i i'm very unfamiliar with facebook ads or instagram ads and things like that but i know that they're more focused on that okay um, yeah I, I i mean i don't know anything about that world right right no you don't want to <laughs> yeah you're like oh yeah 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 no it's because like ads are very detailed oriented and it's all about like testing and retesting right. and this kind of and you know I tried so hard for so many years to like you know learn ads and finally I'm just like screw it <laughs> just gonna hire somebody like I can't stand it I don't like this tediousness I don't like the details I don't like the testing it's making me crazy so yeah all the money I spent trying to learn it you know, I could have just I've done tenfold if I just hired somebody. So, um, <laughs> all right. So, what what? How are you guys doing now? What does lavender look like today? We're a team of a hundred people, um, and we are seeing about we doubled this year, which is really exciting. And we're seeing about five thousand patients a month, which is amazing. Like if you really think about, you know, sometimes it's hard to understand what that would look like, but I try to always picture like if this was a brick and mortar business and this was a brick and mortar clinic, it would be very busy every day, seeing 5,000 right. patients a month. Um, yeah, I think our, our, you know, our word for this year, I think was um, kind of like we, what we tend to do at Lavender is we tend to grow, 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 and then break all our prep you know, processes and then have to fix them. So I think we had outgrown all our processes. And this year we really focused on um, cleaning house a bit in terms of making sure that our processes fit our size. Um, and then I think next year will be a big growth year for us again. Okay. And where are you looking to grow? We are going to enter into Oregon, California, Nevada, Pennsylvania, Connecticut, Illinois, Texas, and Missouri. Missouri. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's, there's rationale for that. They, they perform well on our referral partner sites, which is really important. I'm sure, uh, but yeah. dealing with the docs down I there. Know. <laughs> we, yeah, it's, it's interesting that you brought that up. So we, we used to not expand into states that had any restricted practice, um, but we've, this will be 2024 will be the first year where we really are in states that have pretty restricted practice. Like for example, Texas, you cannot prescribe a controlled medication. A physician has to. Oh, um, really? Yes. Yes. Wow. So we've never operated in a state like that. Um, so it will be, I'm sure there'll be a lot of learnings for us, but if we don't figure it out, we won't be able to keep scaling, right? Because all 50% of the states have very restricted practice. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, hopefully yeah. some, hopefully the next five years, you know, I feel like the states that we're going to turn, turn during COVID and now we're back to like status quo yeah. again. We need another pandemic or something to yeah. <laughs> move this along. 
And Pennsylvania has always been such a strange one for me because it is in the area where the states are much more independent. Like it seems yeah. like a strange stepsister of yeah. all of us. Oh, we're so backwater. It's yeah. crazy. Yeah. I'm like shocked. Like, I mean, that Pennsylvania hasn't flipped. Yeah. It's a stupid state. Like, and we have fought it so many times. And it, the, <laughs> the funny thing is PANP, which is the Pennsylvania Association of Nurse Practitioners, they, you know, they go to Harrisburg all the time to fight the bill. And the one year they had like a, um, they brought up to testify a nurse practitioner who actually treats all the Congress, you know, at, you know, oh in, in the Capitol. And they're like, well, you know, how do we know that nurse practitioners are safe or something? And she was like, for God's sakes, I treat all of you. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. What are you yeah. talking about? And so it was really kind of funny, but yeah, we'll see someday. Mm. Um, all right. So the, the big plans for, for Lavender next year are to expand exponentially. Is And, you know, is there like a, a big vision for all of this? Are you going to go global someday or, or what does it look like? I think... Um... You know, I think we'll continue to expand at a pace that our team and Prima can manage without like totally burning out. Um, and I'm not really sure what our arrival will be. Um, I find entrepreneurs are always pretty hungry constantly. So I feel like we never feel like we arrive. Um, yeah. I think that will probably be the case for Lavender. Um, but yeah, we kind of just take one year at a time. Yeah. Um, I do think it's helpful to, you know, have goals when you, you know, we always do strategic planning in January for the year. And it's been really helpful to kind of know at least what you want to accomplish in the year ahead. Um, yeah. But yeah, big picture. Yeah. We'll just see where Lavender takes us. Awesome. I love it. Um, all right, Bridget. Well, thank you so much for sharing this with us today uh if people want to get in touch with you find out more or apply for a job at lavender where do they go they can email me at founders f-o-u-n-d-e-r-s at joinlavender.com um and you can contact Preetma and i both there or if you want to apply for a job we have a careers page at joinlavender.com awesome yeah all right well thank you so much for sharing this with us thanks katie this is Katie Harris saying thanks for listening. Remember, if you're a nurse who is ready to start this type of business that you heard about here today on this podcast or any other idea that is burning a fire inside of you, let's talk it out. Click the link inside the show notes to schedule your private discovery call with my team. No sales. This call is just to determine what your idea is and if we can help. Until next time, keep making your impact, nursepreneurs.